Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh man, hey, give it up for our next generation pastor, Charlie Vandercody. What a legend. Give it up for my man Grant behind me holding it down on the keys. How good was worship this morning? Come on, I'm a Charlie. I'm a babbling, well, I was going to say babbling brook, but I don't think that's really cool to say anymore. Uh, but I am a mess, let me tell you. The Lord tore me up from the floor up this morning. Is anybody else with me? Oh man, that worship was powerful. This morning has been anointed. And seeing Ashley and knowing her and all the things that the Lord has led her from, out of, and what he's leading her into, I mean, come on. There is no powerful, powerful good news than a changed life. Amen? Come on. And yes, take over kids. You can be dismissed, which looks like that's already happening. Oh, and look at these guys. Hey, give it up for uh, Pastor Scott and our amazing Hamza. Come on. Oh man. That's so good. Thanks. Thanks, boys. You know what? It's probably just easier if I move the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Oh, trust me, the anointing is going to follow you two steps back. You're okay. We made it. Uh, here's the deal. This will come into play later on, and uh, I'll just be up front with you. I'm not super into illustrations when I'm preaching because I'm an adult who preaches to adults. Amen. However, when the Lord lays something creative on me like this, I know it's not me because I'm not creative. So hopefully it goes awesome later, and if it doesn't, that's because I miss the glory of God. So it's going to be good. I promise. It's going to be good. Someone's like, Pastor, if you miss the glory of God, what hope is there for us? Let's all pray. Jesus, uh, hey, it's going to be great. Who is excited to be in church today? Man, I love church. I love the bride of Christ. I love this nation. I love what this weekend represents. Come on, who is grateful for the 4th of July? It is awesome. And if for no other reason, if for no other reason that we have this amazing not quite the Word of God, not even close, in fact, but it is still the, besides the living Word of God, it is the greatest literary truth and rights available to all mankind because I truly believe the Constitution of the United States is second to none, and it is a beacon of hope to the world. Amen? It is awesome. It is awesome. And I'm super grateful that within that, no matter what kind of stuff goes on in the last two years, the church is gathering, the church is assembling, the church is advancing, the name of Jesus is being lifted up, being made famous in all the earth, and we are Bible-believing people. Amen? We are a Holy Spirit-filled people. Amen? Come on, somebody. This is not a TED Talk. I'm a tongue talker. Amen? This is what we're here for. Come on. You know I've been waiting to say that one. You know I've been waiting. So I'm grateful that you found yourself in the house of God this morning. So thank you. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here. So thank you. And the same thing we encouraged our team with this morning. Friends, whether it's a big service or a small service or however it plays out, a crumb from heaven 
is better than any treasure found on earth. Amen. So whatever God has for us today, I know that it's going to radically change our lives. And if it doesn't radically change yours, I know for dang sure it's going to radically change mine because I came hungry today. Did anybody else come hungry today? Come on. Let's get it. Then who's ready for the Word of God? Do I, do I got any note takers in here? Do I got any history makers in here? Come on. Legacy builders in here? Come on. History shapers, legacy builders are all note takers, baby. It's true. It's true. You want to know a good leader? They're always writing things down. 100%. Why? Because they're leading themselves well. Amen. So take out some notes. If you don't have one, there are loads of free uh, notepads and pens and basically anything outside that door is free. Please don't take the furniture. Uh, we do like that. But if you needed it, I would let go of it. So, but everything else is free, okay? It's free. But this morning, we are in a series called The Jesus People. Who's been loving the series so far? Come on. Who was here for Pastor Scott last week? Yeah. Preached a message called The Good News. My man did great, and uh, it was fantastic. And just like last week, we are going to recite the Jesus People prayer. So if you're unfamiliar with this, pretty often when we're going through a series in church, the Lord just puts a just a giant like creed almost on my heart and I, you know what I just feel like we need to recite it every single week while we're in this series to unite us to bring us underneath the one name Jesus to unite us in heart and spirit and truth this morning so as I read it would you repeat after me yeah. all right it's gonna be up on the sky bible here it is somebody say father god father god father god build your church that the gates of hell would not, would not prevail. Come on. Against her. Against her. Give, us Give us your heart. Give us your words. Give us your, words. Give us your, power. Give us your power. Create in us, Create in us. A, zeal a zeal for your house. And a longing. And a longing. And a longing for your presence. Fill. Purify. And mark us, make us like Jesus, set us apart, make us a holy nation, make your presence known here, known here, known here, establish signs and wonders among your people, pour out. Pour out, pour out, pour out your spirit upon us. We will be, we will be, we will be your people. You will be, you will be, you will be our God. We declare, we declare, we declare, we make it known to hell. We tell hell, we let them know, your kingdom come and your will be done in our city as it is in heaven. Let revival come. And a faith-filled church said, come on, praise God. He's good. He's worthy. Let's go. Come on. That made me feel like that scene in Black Panther. Like, let's... Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. You got your notes out? 
Fantastic title of my message this morning. You ready? A vessel for honorable use. You know when you start busting out words like vessel and honorable? We getting after it today. A vessel for honorable use. A vessel for honorable use. We are coming out of 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 26. We're mostly camping out in the New Testament for this series as it's titled appropriately, The Jesus People. So 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 26. If you have a Bible, bust that bad Jackson open. If you do not, you can find one on your phone. It's called Version or Bible Hub. Bible Hub is the best hub on the internet, just so you know. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 26. Come on, where's my saved people? And uh, if you don't have a Bible, it is going to be up on the Sky Bible. Can you guys give it up for Pastor Evan and our amazing Adrian holding it down in the booth for us? All right. If you're ready for verse 14, say, I'm ready. All right. Remind them of these things and charge them before God. Not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Can we just rewind real quick? Rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Just want to say this. There's a lot of irreverent babble coming from a lot of pulpits, and I love the church, but I will call out my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not speaking God's word and God's truth to the nation. God gave you that platform. How dare you deny him that? Amen? There we go. Among them are Hermanius and Philetus. That's the worst name ever. Can we bring those back, by the way? Like... Hey, welcome to first grade. What's your name? I'm Hymenius. What's that short name? But God, firm foundation. Come on. Nope, verse 18. Who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation. Who's grateful for God's firm foundation? It stands, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay and some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteous living, faith, love, peace, and along with those who call on the Lord God from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Somebody say amen. Come on. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. There's a lot of ways we could take this this morning. 
We're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to, to determine which one that is. Amen? All right, let's pray. We're going to get into it. What was wrong with that one? Microphones bow under the weight of the glory. No, I mean like pastors start saying stuff. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. King of kings, Lord of lords, we love you. We trust you. We give ourselves fully over you this morning. God, we know. God, we know as crazy as it is, God, as wild as the world is getting, Father, we are Jesus' people and we will remain Jesus' people, God. I love that song. I love that song we sang earlier and we just proclaimed, we love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. And I want you to know, Father, I want you to know, come whatever may, come hell or high water, God, we will love you. We will be a house that loves you. We will be a place that is for people who love you, no matter how crazy and dark the world gets no matter the knives that are found in our backs no matter the struggles that we come across God we ain't giving you up we love you God we love you God we love you God and we will be found singing the same song so father come have your way in this place make us people that are capable of loving you even more God we want to love you more today we're not interested in loving you the, the way we came in today. God, give us the capacity to love you even more. And shed away everything in our lives. Break it off us, God, that has kept us from loving you all the more. So King Jesus, we just thank you already for your finished work on the cross. We ask Holy Spirit, come rule and reign in this place. Any other spirit that found itself in here, you cannot stay. You cannot remain. Darkness flees when light enters. Come on, somebody. Darkness, you have to go because the Holy Spirit is in this room. And so, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for everything you're about to do through your word, God. And may, 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 may you be the bit in my mouth, God. Because I want to be a man that sets hearts on fire, not the world, God. So please, Lord, use me. Speak to your people today. And begin with me, God. Begin with me. Minister to me, God, as we minister to you. Change, Pastor Matt McClure. Change me. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Oh, all right. Oh, hey, John. It's good to see you. Oh, my man John Smith is in the house. Yes, that is his actual name, by the way. So for any Pocahontas fans in here, he's way cooler, by the way. All right, that movie was really boring. Um, and hey, John, what's that? Uh, you got Kingdom Real going on, right? Hey, if you got YouTube, check this. Seriously, check this out. I know this sounds like he is not sponsored church like today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is not a plug. Uh, it's honestly, it's called Kingdom Real on YouTube. It's amazing. Like what they are doing, getting stories and testimonies, what the Lord is doing. It is phenomenal. Check it out. They're like anywhere from 10 to 30 minute episodes. It is awesome. Called Kingdom Real. Subscribe, turn on notification bell. It's good stuff. I love watching. John, you're the man. Thank you for being faithful to the call. Come on. Kingdom real. We need more of this. We don't get to sit here in our church chairs and our pews and criticize the world and not go out there and bring something kingdom branded to it. Amen. Come on. Kingdom real. I love it. Anyways, a vessel for honorable use. A vessel for honorable use. Admittedly, this was intended to look better than this. Just so you know. 
Just seeing. I'm a little self-conscious, okay? If you can't tell, pray for me. A vessel for honorable use. Now, I really love this passage of Scripture because honestly, in 16 years of preaching, in 16 years of being in ministry, in 16 years of going hard after the Lord, I cannot believe that I'm saying this, but in 16 years, I've actually never preached on this portion of Scripture. Never. It's crazy. That blew my mind when I realized that. I was like, this is everything. I love it. It's so great. And, 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 and it's amazing because I get to do it on a Sunday where we are celebrating Independence Day as a country. And man, I just, I just love, I just love that we're going to go in this direction this weekend. Because I got to tell you, man, there's been so much that's happened in this nation, in the world, just in the last week. And man, I am so grateful to the glory of God for the 50 years of prayers that have found us in this place. That we finally saw RVW overturned. Because we will be here, we will love, we will take care of, and we will do the thing the church has always done. When we started orphanages and hospitals, that's what the church does, and that's who we are, and we're committed to people. Amen? But I got to tell you, it's been a hard week for that because, man, I have been sitting by, and I've watched, and I am provoked. I am burdened. I am deeply aggravated and agitated, and I'm heartbroken. I am heartbroken this week. This week alone, I had to let go of so many heroes in faith that poured into me as a young man that I loved, that I sat under, that I listened to, that I pursued relationship with, that I always subscribed to messages from, from a distance, like all of these things, from intimate relationships to people I've only seen from afar. I had to let heroes go this week because it became abundantly clear that we, we may lift up the same name of Jesus, but we are not playing the same game. Because right now, friends, we've got celebrity pastors that are more concerned with coddling culture while I'm out here giving everything I can to see souls saved and disciples be made. Amen? And so if you think Pastor Matt's about to get political again, I'm not just going to get political again. I'm going to get biblical again. I'm going to be wild. And I believe that Jesus came. There's not a thing underneath the setting sun or around the setting sun that Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, doesn't point to and say, mine. Doesn't point to and say, mine. I want that. I want a Lord over that. I want to rule in that. Every single area in existence. He said that he came to reconcile the entire world back on to himself. This is bigger. This thing that we're a part of is bigger. And I'm sorry that I'm not sorry, okay? If I have ever offended anybody by preaching the Bible, let me take a second to apologize to absolutely no one. Because friends, know this we have the holy spirit and we've got a spine this church has a spine you do not have weak pastors here at takeover church this thing can end today and it will end with us faithfully preaching the good news of christ on the cross amen the whole truth nothing but the truth so help us god and friends i just got to tell you 
right now we are in a season where we are seeing so much upheaval, so much confusion, so much evil going on in the world. There's also a lot of justice happening. There's a lot of good things happening. And we are just seeing a church kind of shook deer in the headlights. The Jesus people are have deer in the headlight look right now going, I don't know what to do. If I say this, which is truth, I'm going to offend these people. But if I don't speak up, they're going to live lives that lead them to hell while living like it until they get there. What do I do? Friends, we have got Christians who are sweating under the lights of the world. But can I tell you, if you are sweating under the lights of the world in this hour, is it perhaps because you are not burning for Christ in this hour? The light of the world cannot make a burning heart for Christ sweat. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> Friends, I got to tell you, there is nothing brighter there is nothing hotter. There is nothing more all-consuming than the one true living God. And if you are filled with him and you are burning for him, you will not be sweating in this hour. Instead, you will be proclaiming in this hour. Friends, I got to tell you, this idea of being gun-shy for the gospel has got to go. Well, I'm afraid of offending them, Pastor Matt. The truth offends, but it also sets the captives free. So are you more worried about offending them or freeing them? Are you more concerned with their feelings or their freedom? What are we doing? Friends, I know it's not comfortable, but Christianity was never called to. Carrying your cross daily is not comfortable. Jesus Christ hanging on the cross wasn't comfortable. Leaving heaven to earth wasn't comfortable. This has never been about comfort. This has always been about Christ. This has always been about redemption. This has always been about the new life found in Christ Jesus. Amen? I'm not interested. I am not interested. I do not audition to be people's pastor. That's not what this building is. That's not what happens when guests come here. This is not an audition. I am not on your casting couch. I am here in Grand Rapids to be a spiritual leader in our region. So whether somebody's in the seats to listen to that or not is not my concern. Today, I am letting you know I have been called by God, not casted by you. I've been called by God, not casted by them. I've been called by God to raise up disciples. And can I tell you, if you're a disciple in the house this morning, come on. If you're going to be a disciple in the house of God, you are not called to live on the casting couch in audition for the world. You don't live there. You are not called to the casting couch of the lives of the people that you live with. They don't get to decide whether you're a voice in their life or not. You bring the good news. You bring the good news because they're very, not just eternity, their very life here and now, first and foremost, the freedom of which they're able to experience. Come on, do I have any redeemed people in the house? Do I have any free people in the house? Do I have any once were blind but now I see kind of Christians in the house? Then how can we hold that back from our friends that are blind who are deaf? Church, now is the time for the bride to shine. 
we don't shrink back in this hour because it's uncomfortable. We preach louder because it's uncomfortable. If you're going to cry in the discomfort, let it be a cry for Christ. Amen? Guys, this is what we're here for. This is it. Why do you think we are in church on July 4th weekend, Independence Day? Because we are the church. And friends, just like I'm called to this region, you're called to this region. You're called to be a spiritual voice in this wilderness. You're called to bring a light to the things that are broken and hurting and sinful and wrong. And make no apologies for it because true love tells the truth. True love tells the truth. Amen? This is my heart today. This is my cry today. I came with an assignment today. I came with a burden today. I came with a provoking in my spirit today. I came with some bad intentions for hell and some good intentions for heaven. Amen. So today we are going to get after it as the church. The world has never and will never hold an audition for your voice. It does not want it. But you know who does? The audience of one that you serve. His name is King Jesus. Amen. He wants your voice. He wants to use you. He wants to take good news to the masses because he wants his house full. He wants his kids home and he wants them free here and now. Amen. Yeah, I'm a little upset today. I'm a little upset because my heroes... My heroes let me down. But I know Jesus never will. And I know that I will go and stand before God one day responsible. Responsible. Not for what they did with their platform, but what I did with mine. Not what they did with their call, but what I'm doing with mine. Not what happened in their region, but what's happening in mine. So let's go in boldness and let's not audition. Let's go in dominion and let's see Jesus rule and reign in our lives and the lives of those around us. Amen. Man, I got to tell you, there is the very fact that there is a phrase, a notion, a vessel for honorable use just speaks to the fact that there could be a vessel for dishonorable use. The very fact that Paul, speaking to Timothy in this thing, says you are called to be a vessel for honorable use shows that we could be Christians. We could be Jesus followers. We could be Jesus people. And we could still live lives of dishonorable use. And friends, I love you. I hate your sin. I love God. I hate my sin. Jesus, he loves us. He hates our sin. Jesus, he paid for us to be removed from sin. Amen? We're going to crack that open today and we're going to explore what that looks like, but that is the cause on the inside of me today because friends, I got to tell you, we need to be concerned with being vessels for honorable use. We need to be concerned.
we see in this passage of scripture Paul he's writing to Timothy Timothy is one of the pastors one of the young boys he raised up and you all read the book of Ephesians this is in Ephesus where this letter's being written this could actually kind of be like Ephesians you know 0.5 but instead of writing to the entire church Paul is now writing to Timothy simply just the pastor to teach him how to lead people and this is great because we all need that insight we all need that that's why you come to your pastors and you go why do we do this why do we have 30 minute 45 minute worship sets I don't like that well I didn't realize we were worshiping you today the Lord likes that we worship him okay we pour it all out at his feet, King Jesus, amen? That's why. But you come and we have those questions because you want to know the ins and outs of why and how and what we are being led by the Spirit and by the Word of God. That is why we have these portions of Scripture. And it's amazing. So Timothy, he oversees the church in Ephesus now. And Paul, he starts off this portion and he says, I love it. I love it. He says, remind them of these things. I charge you in the sight of God. Now, I remember how the last few weeks we were talking about how words, they don't, they don't mean what they used to no more. They don't have real weight to them anymore. You see, we've gotten so flippant with our language where, where we can just kind of say anything. In fact, Gen Z, you're doing a great job of making up words. I am old enough to remember when a cap was both a baseball cap and a bullet. Now you say no cap, and I have no idea what you mean. I'm like, no hat, no gun. What are you talking about? I'm that old. <laughs> and he says, he says, remind them of these things. I charge you in the sight of God. You see, when pastors used to say these things, remember these things, remind them of these things in the sight of God, this used to actually you know, provoke people. This actually used to startle people. This actually used to give us a moment of like, this, this is real. I need, I need to listen. I need to incline my ear. I need to, I need to move forward and I need to go, what are you saying? I need to do everything in my physical capability to hear you. You just said, I charge you in the sight of God. Friends, if someone charges you in the sight of God, how many of you know we are pulling out the big guns to get through to you? And that is Paul right here to Timothy. He's saying, charge them. Charge them if I charge you in the sight of God. Let them know these things. This is highest priority, amen? And friends, I gotta tell you, every single thing that happens on this platform is charged in the sight of God. Nothing up here is flippant. Nothing up is up here without design. Nothing's up, not, nothing happens up here without prayerful consideration, without finding it in Scripture to back up what we do. We are firmly rooted in the Word of God and firmly ran by the Spirit of God. Amen? That is what the church does as far as we are concerned here. So when we charge you in the sight of God, friends, I'm telling you, it's, this is needed. This is needed. But here's the biggest deal. When Paul is saying we need to be vessels of good use and there's the opportunity for us to be vessels not of good use, I want to charge you in the sight of God today to receive what I have to say, okay? 
Because here's the deal. So many of us, we will live lives coming to follow Jesus, right? We talked about this week one. We, have, we can't just be dedicated. One does not simply. Remember that one? We don't simply dedicate our lives to Jesus. No, we die, and then we're born again in Christ Jesus. Amen? And then from there, see, we've been on a journey. This whole thing, it's being knitted together, you and me. And then we begin to build our lives on Christ alone, the cornerstone, the foundation for our faith. Amen? Because a house that's built on sand or anything else that's not Jesus, what happens? The wind comes, the rain blows, and it goes down. So what happens next is this moment, and in church you probably hear it a lot, where it's the word sanctification. Sanctification is this big word where you go from dead to living, to truly living. When you go from looking like Matt McClure to looking like Jesus Christ. When you go from you to looking like him. It is this moment where we often refer to it as the sanctification process. Have you ever heard of this? The sanctification process process where it takes time and it takes concern and it takes commitment and it actually takes trying going after God getting in the word doing these things being in church you have a role to play in this relationship with Jesus amen somebody just say know your role and follow Jesus But what I'm concerned by and what I believe Paul was concerned by in this is that it is entirely possible. It's entirely possible to be bought, to start building, and still remain ill-discipled. Yes, I made that word up. Ill-discipled. Ill-discipled. See, friends, I know because there's so many of us, we'll be, we'll be born again, we'll have that moment of the Lord where we know, we know it, we know that we know that we know it is the truest thing to us is Christ. And we know that he has saved us, purchased us, bought us, redeemed us, and made much of our lives. And then from there, we started building upon his firm foundation and what he said to do. And, and so we get involved at church and, and we come, we do these things. And, but there's still something that's, like, why is this missing? Like all of us, we find ourselves so often in this place of being ill-discipled, but, but we're not ill-discipled because of being ill-equipped or uh, malnourished. Because I know in this church, not just myself I'm talking about, I'm talking about everybody that preaches on this stage, you are fed well. The worship that happens in this room should be feeding you well. You are not ill-equipped. We are not malnourished people. We are being fed well here. Amen? So why do we still feel ill-discipled? Why do we still feel like we haven't got there? Why do we often live a life of feeling like we are illegitimate children when we know we've had adoption? Friends, I believe it's because I believe we have not actually taken God up on what he calls sanctification. I believe it's because we have not taken him up on sanctification. You see, so often we'll hear things like, no, 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 no. You actually have a role to play in this. I don't know what I'm talking about, what it looks like to be the church outside those doors, reaching your, your cul-de-sac in your workplace. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being the church inside yourself. 
I'm talking about what it looks like to be a Christian. I'm talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. There are ill disciples and there are well discipled. Amen. But so many of us, come on, we want the fun, fiery, cool, crazy stuff of God, but we often don't want to find ourselves being discipled by God. So many of us, we want the fruit of the Spirit, but we often will refuse growing in the fruit of the Spirit. So often we find ourselves in a place where we're going, I want the dynamis power of God, but we don't want to be, well, disciple of God. We don't want to be well disciplined by God. We want the good vibes of church, but we don't want to be the good disciples of the church. And friends, I think this is where it comes because for some of us, I think we got saved, and I think a, I think a preacher sold you a bad bill of goods because I, we didn't inform you. No, 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 no. You have a role to play in this. You have things you have to begin to do. You now have a mission. You now are set apart. You are now set up higher. You are now begun to be a Jesus follower child of the Most High God, friends. You're not called to be ill-discipled. You're called to be well-discipled. But we don't like that because discipleship sucks. It does. We can be honest. We can be, we can be honest. If you're in this place and you don't think sin is fun, then you are literally the holiest person here, including more holy than me. Okay? It is. It's wrong. It's the wrong fun. It's a dead fun. It's a fallen fun. But that's what gets you. That's what keeps you coming back. That's what you keep hungering for. It is this thing that is broken on the inside of us that needs to be chokehold and held back and submitted to Christ Jesus. Amen? But that part isn't fun. But friends, I can tell you this. Discipleship should be the greatest cause of the Christian in the earth. Because every other Christian practice flows from how well or ill you are discipled. You see, ill disciple, it's like a sickness. Ill disciple, it's like a sickness. It's like you, it's like you have everything set up for you to be healthy, but yet you want to have like mount, mount uh, whatever that word is, by proxy syndrome, where you just want to think you're sick all the time. You want to be a hypochondriac. It's like you... You, you have everything been made available to you in Christ Jesus, and you are just refusing it. It's like, no, no, no. You would actually feel a lot less shame and a lot less condemnation if you just decided, you know what? Yeah, I, I want to be a vessel for honorable use. Because right now, I've been living in dishonorable use. You see, the Apostle Paul, he goes on in this letter to Timothy, and I love this piece of scripture right here. You mind if I read the Bible to you? He says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Pause. Do your best to present yourself as one approved, a worker that has no reason to be ashamed. Let's break that down for a second. You see, I think, when, I think when pastors, we begin to preach this message, especially in West Michigan is what I found, suddenly we get a little pushback from everybody. We're going, no, no, pastor. 
I don't need to, you're preaching that we need to work for God's approval. You're preaching to get us to go after God's approval. Can we read that scripture again? Paul says, do your best to present yourself as one approved by God, right? That's what it said. But we're going, no, you want to preach striving. No, I'm preaching being. No, no, you're preaching striving. No, I'm preaching living. No, no, you're trying to get us to strive and get into religion and that we just need to work, 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 work our way to God instead of just accepting the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's not what I said at all, and that's not what Paul's saying at all either. You see, there is a finished work of Christ on the cross, but that is your born again. That is him rescuing you. That is him saving you. That is him giving you his Holy Spirit to empower you to live an empowered life so that sin does not have to overcome you, but you get to now overcome sin. Amen. That is the finished work of Christ on the cross. Now, the Christian practice, the Christian work, the Christian discipline begins. But we don't like this part. But Paul says, do your best to present yourself one approved. Can we look at that? It says as one approved. Not one that's going after approval. Not present yourself trying to gain God's approval. Not coming to him lowly, woe is me, I'm the worst thing you've ever saved. Why did you even save me, Jesus? I don't know why you died for me. Oh my God. No, no, no. So then we just start serving in every soup kitchen. We start serving in all these things, but not out of cheerful giver, like the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, but we're doing it out of this misplaced condemnation that doesn't come from Christ, that isn't a part of the Christian life, and we're doing it all in an attempt to gain God's approval. That's not what Paul says here. He says, present yourself as one approved. You know what that means? That means Jesus already bought you, and if Jesus already bought you, then God's already approved you, and now your end of the bargain and my end of the bargain is now we begin to live lives that look like we're approved. Amen? We don't strive for approval. We live from approval. We don't strive from approval. We be the approved. God has already approved you. Jesus purchased you. God approved you. He filled you with his Holy Spirit. And now our cause in the earth is to live as people whom are approved. So often I think the reason we get this backwards, the reason we get religious about it, the reason we get all messed up in our theology about it is because pastors, we like to talk about sin. Well, not so much anymore, but I sure as heck do. We like to talk about sin try to save you from your sin, but we don't ever tell you what you were saved for. We only concentrate on what you're saved from. Friends, can I tell you today that Jesus saved you from your sin, but he saved you for salvation? Do you know what that means? Come on, Charlie knows. He didn't just save you from sin and then leave you on your own. No, he saved you from sin and then he gave you an assignment. He saved you from your sin and then he gave you an anointing. He saved you from your sin and then he gave you a mission in the earth. It's called salvation. What does that mean? It means while you were dead in your sin, the only thing that you were able to do, the only thing that you could bring and offer anybody else was to remain an arbiter of sin. You were a sin dealer because you offered only broken goods, only broken ideas, only hopeless actions, only things that would self-serve and self-please and please men and not God. And that's who you and I were. We were arbiters of sin. 
And then Jesus, he actually takes you out of that. He kicks your sin in the teeth. He kills it on the cross. He raises you to new life in Christ. He pulls you from the muck and the mire. He sets you up on a firm foundation. You were once the tail, but now you're the head. And he says, this is the life I have for you called salvation. Salvation has far more do's in it than it has don'ts. But so often we focus on the don'ts and guess what? If you don't know there's bad news, you're never going to appreciate good news, okay? There is. Sin separates. Sin fails. Sin breaks. Sin hurts. Sin kills. And sin leads you to hell. And you will live like it until you arrive there. That's the reality. But for the Jesus people, God didn't just save you from sin. He saved you for him. Amen. He didn't just save you from sin. He saved you for him. And when he saves you for him, he will empower you to what? Live for him. Amen. Come on. He didn't leave you alone. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you his word. He gave you a roadmap and a manual to this life. And more than that, it is a precious, amazing love letter that should light your heart on fire for him. This is who our God is. This is what he does. This is what he offers every single one of us. Suddenly, you go from a sin dealer to a hope dealer. Some of us, we've went from drug dealers to hope dealers. He takes you out of depression and he sets you on a clear mind, on a focused mind. He gives you the mind of Christ. He takes you from suicidal thoughts and now you are saving people from suicide. He saves you from sin and now you are called to save others from sin. He saved you from hell and now you're here to bring others to heaven. Amen? Man, you have a mission just as much as I do. You have a bigger mission field than I do. I don't care how awesome the internet is. I don't disciple the computer. I don't. That's great that we get to live stream so people can camp on holiday weekends. That's great that we can have a podcast that it can get out and you can share it with your friends the good news of what God's doing here in this church. But I don't pastor them. I don't pastor that computer. I don't pastor people in Norway who are watching our service. I don't. I pastor you. And I love you too much to leave you weaker than I found you. I love you too much to leave you broke, more broken or just as broken as you first came through these doors. That is not okay. We, I, you, and me, our cause has got to be, we don't want to be a people who live of dishonorable use. But we want to be vessels for honorable use. Man, we get so delighted. We get so excited. We are, when we are dead in our sin, we get we get excited, deliriously excited about such silly and irreverent and things that have no eternal or earthly consequence. But man, when Jesus frees you from your sin, when he frees you from your addiction, when he saves you from being your father or your mother, repeat. When he gives you a chance to have a godly marriage, when he gives you the ability to be pure again, when he saves you, I'm talking about being saved. 
This is a real thing that I still believe in and will give my life to see, and I hope you will too, because the saved life, truly, friends, is the best life. Because Paul then says to be a worker that has no reason to shame. Friends, how many of you know the biggest cause for shame isn't the devil? The biggest cause for shame isn't the devil. All of us, we feel the most shamed when we know we're not living an approved life. We don't need the devil to heap shame on us. Our own actions do that. Our own inactions do that. How many of you have felt shame when you knew the Holy Spirit told you to pray for that person next to you at Meyer and you didn't? Right? It could be even good things that we just didn't do. And it's like all of a sudden shame comes on us. No, no, no. Paul says a worker who has no reason to shame. That means that there is a part in glory, a part in salvation that frees you from the consequences of sin. One of them being shame. Friends, a worker that has no reason to shame. I don't need the devil to come to my doorstep and start preaching shame on me. I don't. My own inability to follow the voice of God brings shame on me. And it's not because I'm not hearing, it's because I'm not responding. It's not because I'm not hearing, it's because I ain't being obedient. It's not because I don't know what's wrong, it's because I still chose to do it. Right? We need to be a worker that has no reason to shame. And friends, that's good news. That means that Jesus, when he saves you, man, if you've ever been wrapped up in shame, shame is the worst thing. Shame is just this 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 muggy fog around you that just chokes you it's like you're over top of a nuclear plant or something and you're just like in smog and shrouded and you think everyone's judging you you think everyone's talking about you you think everyone's gossiping about you everyone behind your back is going oh man Charlie's an amazing guy and Charlie's out there in shame going oh Matt is gossiping about me at church I can't show my face there like that's what shame does and it's the furthest thing from reality But when we aren't living an approved life, a.k.a. a life from approval, a life already approved, that's when shame comes at us. We open the door to that. But Jesus is saying, I have saved you from that. I've changed the locks on the door, and I don't even give you one. (laughs) I decide what gets to come in, and then I empower you to open the door. I preach to anybody this morning. Does anybody want to be a person who's living from the approval you already have in Jesus? So why don't we? Why don't we? Can I tell you the reason I think that we don't? I think we live ill-discipled lives because we live unapplied lives. We live ill-discipled lives because we live unapplied lives. We live uncommitted lives. We live narcissistic lives. We live us, selfish, me-centered lives. 
we live comfortable lives. None of us are actually in fear of being murdered or martyred for our faith. So we don't actually have to grow up into salvation. We just get to live this cushy American Christianity where our faith is never on the line. However, the friends and family and love members that we love, their salvation is on the line. The same God that saved you from sin can save them from sin. Not just, not just heaven at the end of it but sanctification in the midst of it. Friends, the fruit of salvation is not simply heaven at the end of your life. The fruit of your salvation will be the sanctification of your life. So why don't we, Pastor Matt? Why don't we? You wanna know why we don't? I think some of us, we got saved. I think some of us started building our house practically we might have instituted some good things. We might have started, you know, tithing $10. And we might have stopped cussing. You know, we might have stopped yelling at our wives behind closed doors. We might have done some good things. But we haven't really begun being discipled. You see, disciples, it means one who is disciplined in the ways of Jesus. But as human, faulty, broken people, we hate disciplines, don't we? We're really good at it for the first four weeks of the year. And then discipline just ceases to exist in our lives. But I'm telling you, for the Christian, you're not simply called to be a convert. You are called to be a disciple. Christ told us, go into all the world creating disciples of every nation, not converts of every nation. Paul goes on to say, he goes, my firm foundation in Christ, it is sealed and it screams out those, ready? Those that take on the name, who proclaim the name of Jesus, God knows them and they are to run and flee and depart from iniquity. What is iniquity? Sin. What is iniquity? Brokenness. What is iniquity? Missing the mark. What is iniquity? Sickness. What is iniquity? Sin, fallen, broken, nature, all those things you hate about yourself but you can't seem to get past. Sin. But he says we're called to depart those things. And if that means we're called to depart those things, that means you and I have a role to play in those things. Somebody asked me, Matt, what's my role? I'll ask for you. Matt, what's my role? to be discipled, to be discipled. You see, the fact that we can even be called a vessel for honorable use speaks to the fact that we are capable and probably more often than not living lives of dishonorable use. You see, friends, we are amazing vessels, aren't we, human beings? We're amazing. Paul calls us the clay in the potter's hand. He made us. We are these vessels. We were made to be filled by Him, to be purchased by Him, to represent Him, to be used by Him. But we were called that before we ever even knew Him. That was what we were intended for. But some of us, some of us, we've been used for the wrong things. We've been repurposed for fallen, broken, sinful things. Some of us have been carriers of lies. Some of us have been carriers of abuse. Some of us have been broken, carriers of shame and regret. 
But I'm telling you, Jesus saves you from that. And then he fills you with his Holy Spirit. And from there, there's this good, amazing, hard work that can be done in the life of the Christian where you truly begin not to just say, I live set apart, but you begin to look set apart. You begin to act set apart. You begin to speak set apart. I, man, when we first started church, I had a guy working for me that was like, why don't you let me cuss? I said, because the way you talk will be the first thing somebody realizes is different about you. Is that because I think every four-letter word is actually sinful or inherently evil? No. But our land does. The world does. It's deemed that way. And guess what sets you apart immediately when you are life-giving? When you have hope on your lips? When you have grace on your lips and honor in your ears? That's what will begin to set you apart. Friends, there is a good, hard work. And let me begin to show you what that looks like. You see, anybody see this beautiful vase right here? Right now, it's really ugly. That's really ugly. Like, that is full of some gross stuff. It was supposed to be more set apart uh, layers, but it is what it is. But without all that in there, this clear, beautiful vase, bowl, centerpiece, I know. Talk about all the things it can be used for, but I appreciate you, Pastor Adrienne, my beautiful wife. If your wife doesn't correct you while you're delivering the good news of God, you need to find a better wife, okay? Did he just tell me to get divorced? No, I did not. Okay. You see, when this thing was first purchased, it had no nicks, it had no scuffs. When it was first made and sent out, it was beautiful. And the artists, whoever designed it, they were proud of it. They loved it. They made it to be this thing that when somebody walked in, they were like, whoa, look at that. And all of the contents within it, because of how beautiful, how clear, how it's shaped in form, all of it spoke to glory, spoke to purpose, spoke to design, spoke to intentionality, spoke to an artist who took time in their craft and dreamt up this vessel. And it wasn't just good, it was very good. You see, this vessel, this represents you and me. You see, this vessel, as I stand behind it, you could almost picture this as an x-ray. Because this this vessel was beautiful. This vessel was glorious. This vessel had purpose. This vessel is still made. It's still here. It still has some use, but right now it's dishonorable use because it's full of gunk. It's full of grossness. It's got things in it that's like you wouldn't touch if I told you like you're not. But why is that? Because Jesus, he purchased this beautiful mess. Jesus, he purchased this beautiful vessel that contents within it. Man, maybe this is hatred. Maybe it's hatred that found its way there because of some abuse that took place in your life. 
Maybe it's suicidal thoughts because someone took advantage of you when they had no right to. See, not everything that's messy and messed up on the inside of us is the consequence of our own sin. Sometimes the things on the inside of each of us that are messed up and have fallen short of the glory of God are a result of someone else's sin. But we got to take care of that. I mean, some of us, our insides, we look like this because we've had layers in our life of different pain and different hurt and different seasons of sleeping around with anybody who's not our spouse, of getting steeped in pornography, of being married to the same woman for 39 years and deciding you want divorce because you want more notches in your belt. I mean, there are just things on the inside of us that sin has caused to happen in this once beautiful vessel. The vessel itself is still beautiful, but the contents of which it possesses and holds and is filled up by, not so much. See, friends, this is why we expect progress, not perfection. I don't expect perfection from a Christian, from a disciple on day one of salvation. But I do expect progress on month one and year one. I do expect progress, not perfection, because there's something called discipleship where we actually begin to deal with the layers of brokenness, the layers of gunk, the layers of hurt, the layers of shame, the layers of sin, the consequences of sin, the death, the broken things within us. Because friends, if this is still what our filling looks like after one year, two year, three year, four year, five year, 20 years, 30 years, some of us living Jesus still looking this way? If this is still the contents of our vessel, well, how many of you know the Bible says out of the heart the mouth shall flow? How many of you know that which is, that which is in you will always spill out of you? This, this is what ill disciples look like on the inside. We we never learn to take care of the mess. So how, Matt, how do we take care of the mess within us? How do we begin to work on these things? I mean, it's hard to live an approved life when your inside man is full of this. It's hard to be generous when you've lived so many lives being broken by your parents' poverty that you were raised in. Of course your hands are stingy. Of course your fists are closed. It's so hard to remain faithful in your marriage, friends, when this brokenness that you saw of your parents cheating on each other constantly, and then on top of that, stacked with pornography and promiscuity. Like, this is, do you see what I'm saying? This is me. This is you. This is us. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. He gave us the tools and the disciplines and the things that we need to do. Well, Pastor Matt, what are those? Bible reading, praying, worshiping, fasting, tithing, showing up at church all the time, being found in the house of God, making your house at home a house of prayer. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, all of these things, and there's so much more, but these are these practical Christian disciplines that each of us are called to begin to institute, but it doesn't have, it doesn't lack purpose. 
Jesus says to do all these things with intentionality behind it. Because can I tell you this? He lived a sinless, blameless, perfect life. The contents of Jesus never looked like this. Yet he was always found seeking his Father. He was always found being generous. He was always found making tents and building things. He was a carpenter building things out of rock and wood and all sorts of stuff to sell so that he himself, God, would have something to tithe when he was in temple. I mean, Jesus, he did these. Still at church, found in church, preaching the good news, unwavering and unhindered in his faith. He still found time, made time, purpose time to be in the word to be praying, to be seeking God. So if God himself wanted, desired, and needed to do those things, and his content looked nothing like this, how much more does Matt McClure need to do that? How much more do you and I need to do that? Amen? Problem is, some of us will hear a message like this and Man, we'll come to church once every two months. And we expect, we expect this to change. And in that two months time, the only word of God we got into was what was up on the Sky Bible. And we expected this to change. We expected this to look different. Some of us, we got to a place where, you know what? We quit sleeping with our girlfriend. So more than 10 milliliters, we got 20 milliliters. And, but unfortunately, we, just, we were still in pornography. So while we stopped one sinful practice, we put pornography back on it. And we thought that would, we thought that would change. Some of us, we got the Bible app on our phone to read it to us in the morning. But the word went unapplied in our lives and unmeditated on and unset our eyes on. And, and then on top of that, we went out drinking after work with the girls and we got super drunk we flirted with a guy at the bar and it was it was okay we were just with the girls having fun and they're part of my small group so some of us we hate women because we were abused or we were stepped out on or we were made fun of when we were young and so as much as we love Jesus and as much as we love church we still have wrong thoughts about women and we just keep putting that in and then some of us we just begin to find people online find youtubers that affirm our thoughts on scripture we find people within our own city that affirm our thoughts on scripture who agree with us and the contents never changed. We're still getting filled up, but we're getting filled up with the wrong things. And this thing, this, this beautiful vessel that was purchased by God, 
whom God loves, whom God shaped, whom God created, whom God blew this glass into an image and likeness that he was proud of, that he believed represented him. Man, we sure love showing up to church for Matt's messages, but we get to church at 1020. We miss all of worship when it's like, yeah, the word was good, but did God get his ministry? And this mess, this mess just keeps getting messier. And our lives just keep getting more broken. And sure, we we gave up the we gave up the psychological medicine. But because we weren't ready to yet, because we didn't have the Holy Spirit helping us through and being in constant communication with people that we love to help us through the low moments, we began to seek, you know, we're proud that we're not on the pills anymore, but we began to seek comfort in other things, whether it was food, whether it was other drugs whether it was sex. Paul says, depart from these things. Depart from these things and become vessels of honorable use. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Vessels for honorable use. Well, Pastor Matt, what's that look like? A vessel for honorable use? Man, it looks like Christian disciplines of I'm gonna be in church and I'm gonna keep being in church. And if I don't see change in my life, I'm gonna keep believing the scriptures and I'm gonna keep getting after the word of God and I'm gonna keep going in and I'm gonna keep getting in and I'm gonna be there every single time. And you know what? Man, I'm gonna get in a small group. I'm gonna be in a life crew and I'm gonna begin living a changed life. And man, my insides, I'm not perfect yet, but I'm sure on the way. I may not have perfection yet, but I'm making progress and I'm putting in the right things. And man, I may not have as much time to spend 30 minutes in the Word of God that day, but I'm gonna get 10, 15. I'm gonna get my time in. I'm gonna keep going. And man, the world is dark and it's grim, but I'm gonna get my Bible open. I'm gonna find myself in worship. I'm gonna be involved on Wednesday nights. And man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start deleting those numbers. I'm gonna get rid of those. I'm gonna get rid of those girls that I have saved in my phone. I'm gonna get rid of the apps. I'm gonna get rid of all this. You're Matt, Matt, this looks darker. This looks grimmer. No friends, what's happening is what it was in you is now getting out of you. You are now putting in the right things. And while this may look like it's getting darker, the contents of which were in it are beginning to come out of it. You are being sanctified. You are being a vessel for honorable use again. And some of us, man, we get so disenfranchised with church. We get so disenfranchised with Christians. And we're like, man, why am I still not free? I feel like I'm pouring in and pouring in. And there are things in my life of which I'm just not free of yet. Why? the sun sets free whom is free indeed why do I still have contents that look like that can I tell you when you get, begin to get to this part or I know it doesn't look like it but that is the thinnest that's been that is the thinnest it is but you're at that moment where you're like I don't feel changed where is this Matt I, 
I feel empty. I feel dry. I feel depleted. I feel like I am fighting the good fight of faith and I am losing. I am running dry. Well, when you're running dry, you run back to the well. You go back to the well of Christ. You go back to what he says. And you go back to his word. You go back to those practices. You go back. You go back. You go back. And you keep pouring. And you keep going. And you keep flowing. And you keep getting after everything he has for you. You keep pursuing him at all costs. You keep going to the well. Until you're an honorable vessel for good use. Until you are as clean as the white of snow. You see, friends, he says, do everything. Do your best to the point of blood or death. You do everything to kill the sin that still resides within you, to walk out the sanctification process. And I would keep going, but unfortunately I did not get a big enough dish underneath it to get all this out. But let me tell you, Christ purchased this. You were born again. And then you began to build your life on a solid foundation. And you were set up like a city on a hill. It is your cause in the earth to pour, 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 pour. We don't do 10 milliliter Christianity. We don't do 20 milliliter Christianity. We don't do once every two months Christianity. We don't do that. Your marriage wouldn't survive if you talked once every two months. No relationship in your life would thrive if you only communicated one time. Friends, freedom there is security there is beauty there is majesty there is salvation there is a saved life that is bondage and chains free available to you and to me it is in the well discipled life of the Jesus follower and not in the ill discipled life of the Jesus follower would you rise to your feet seasons when you feel like man your cup is empty when you feel like you don't have an ounce let alone 10 milliliters to give to God when you feel burnt out and beaten down and tired friends there is a well of living water that will redeem even the darkest most disgusting most broken most messed up parts of yourself there are things at the bottom of our vessel you and me that we wouldn't even give the honor of talking about not with the person closest to us but God but God but God 
wants to continue to fill you to overflow. And I'm telling you, as you fill yourself with Him, His practices, His Word, as you begin to bust out of that religious spirit and you realize, no, I love Him. And because I love Him, what He offers me can change me, can save me, can set me free of me, can rid me of myself. Cross that he stood on, that he hung on, that he died on, that he breathed his last breath on, that he descended from and went to hell, took back the keys for your life, ascended back into heaven, and he lived again so that you and me we can be again a vessel of honorable use vessel, one that the king of the universe, he already approved, he already paid, but for eternity he just gets to sit back and just be proud, just look at you going, I knew you could do it, I made you to do it, I designed you to thrive, I made you to be free, I knew porn wasn't a thing against you, I knew your broken marriage your marriage would be redeemed if you would just get in this. I knew you could stay faithful if you would just begin to practice my ways. I knew it. Friends, this is what's available for the Jesus people. And so we're going to sing a song called Tremble. And I love this song. Because you do have a Jesus that makes the darkness tremble. You do have a Jesus that's all about the overflow and the overpour. And you do have a Jesus that is more, man, He is more, as much as you struggle, as much as I struggle, He is more interested in your freedom and my freedom than even we are. So that's the Jesus we're going to sing to. And if you're interested in that freedom, we would love to have the opportunity to pray with you. We would love to have the opportunity to introduce you to our friend Jesus. And we would love to have the opportunity to see you begin to live this life of discipleship where you get in the Word, you get in worship, you get in prayer, you begin having daily encounters with God where this whole thing is great, but this whole thing can happen Monday mornings at 8 a.m. on your drive to work. You just have to begin to go after Him. Amen. So would you guys begin to worship? Worship team, would you sing? And let us worship the one true, living, freedom-giving, unrelenting, liberating King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Come on.